If you have been with us here at the Southeast Raleigh table for the last two weeks, you know that we are in what is known as the season of Lent within the Christian calendar. Lent is the 40 days that lead up to the season of Easter, uh, where we basically take a journey with Jesus to the cross. It is a season that is oftentimes uh, set apart by uh, spiritual practices like prayer and reading scripture and self-reflection and also to self-examination. Last week we talked about the practice of confession. What does it look like to be honest and to name the places and the ways in our lives that we have not lived up to the God goodness within our lives. And today we're going to talk about um, this really beautiful and very powerful spiritual practice called self-examination or known as the examine. Now, what, um, I, uh, what I realized, though, um, and what I want you to know about these spiritual practices that we will lean into, these practices that help to build up our personal piety, is that it is not to bring about like some spiritual elitism through the season of Lent for us to get to Easter and say, oh, look how moral I am that I have done all of these things for this 40 days. But instead, we understand that whenever there is inner work being done, it will affect the ways in which we show up and also to how the world um, is changed. Because changed people in turn create a changed world. If, if I learn to recognize that um, I am seduced by power over as opposed to power with over the 40 days, it is going to affect the way that I am in relationship with other people. If I renegotiate the way in which I spend my resources, it is going to um, renegotiate uh, and also change the way in which we understand scarcity or abundance when it comes to distribution of resources. So th these 40 days of doing this inner work, it's not simply so we can say, look, I have not eaten chocolate and I am like on high. That is not what the 40 days are to be. These 40 days are to recognize a holistic transformation that happens within us and also that will be reflected beyond us. What I also realize in the season of Lent is that there's often this assumption that we're all like versed or adept in spiritual practices. That when we say things like, oh, this is a season of prayer and this is a season to, uh, to, to anchor yourself in scripture, this is a season for, uh, for self-examination, this is a season for confession, that all of us just like um, assume that, oh, we just know how to do these particular things. And that's not always the case. But these practices of confession and repentance, of self-examination, of reading scripture, of, of, of prayer and fasting, they are important because they give us a framework for how we might be shaped in the ways of Jesus. Now notice I didn't say they give us a formula. They don't give us a formula, they give us a framework for the ways in which we might be shaped in the ways of Jesus, that we might look like Jesus, that we might ask ourselves, what draws me closer to Christ and also to what are the ways in which I feel like I'm far away from the presence of God. So I want to talk um, in depth about one of these spiritual practices that helps us to be more aware of God's presence in our lives, but also helps us to be aware of ourselves, of our brilliance, and also aware of our brokenness. 
so that we might recognize where we need to be changed so in turn the world is also changed. I need to share that this, uh, this sermon is very much anchored in uh, a spiritual practice that, you know, is about 400 years old called the examine. But I was inspired by the teaching of Father Michael Sparrow, who is a Jesuit priest. And so I want to just say that I stand on his shoulders um, this morning as I offer up this sermon. The other is that I am not going to be preaching to you. I'm going to preach with you this morning. Which means that um, if you feel so inclined to take notes, that is a way that you might preach with me this morning. Or or if it's just simply that you, as uh, you are hearing the words or the invitation or the instructions around the examine being shared with you, that you begin to think, okay, how might I make the word flesh Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? So it doesn't mean that you have to always talk back to me, though. I love people talking back to me in the midst of worship, as long as, you know, we're typically agreeable with each other. Please know this is not me telling you a whole lot of things. We preach with one another. I, too, want my life to be changed so that this world might be changed. I want your life to be changed so that this world might be changed. We don't preach to, we preach with one another. So hear now these words from Luke chapter 15 that might help us to understand the beauty of self-examination and also self-awareness. This story, which is quite popular of the prodigal son, begins in verse 11, and it reads as such. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, I want to say that one more time. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. but then he came to himself. You know what's the most popular line in a breakup, or at least I'm assuming this is the most popular line in a breakup, which is, it's not you, it's me. Which I don't necessarily think people really mean when they say it. 
<laughs> because when I talk to a lot of people after breakups, they usually have a long list of reasons as to why they were breaking up, severing ties, no longer tethered to the person that they're walking away from. But I do think it sounds really nice and very courteous to say, no, 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 it's not you, it's me. But again, Knowing myself, when I'm really honest with myself, I realize it is actually easier for me to scour other people's lives and to assess and analyze other people's lives, what I think are their failures, what I think are their brilliance. And sometimes it's a little harder for me to turn inward and to assess where I might have um, not shown up well, how I may have um, actually kept us from being able to move uh, forward in not just relationship, but in life in general. Self-deception is, I think, one of the great temptations in our lives. And I think self-deception is such a temptation in our lives because we want to hold on to a particular version of self where we don't feel ashamed, where we don't feel uncomfortable, where we don't sometimes even want to be stretched or grown. I get it. Sometimes self-deception feels like it is a means of self-preservation. I don't want to say out loud that the reason why I am always so clingy in my relationships is because I feel so lonely. Who wants to say that out loud? Who wants to say out loud that you are so impatient with the people that you live under the same roof with, but you're supposed to be like, oh, I love you, honey. Oh, I love you, honey. But I'm so impatient with them that even sometimes when they're breathing too heavy, I wonder why, Lord. Who wants to confess that being mean to others through humor is the way that you protect yourself? <laughs> Self-deception is sometimes the way in which we hold on to a false sense of self-preservation. I might even say that this is true even with the beautiful things in our lives. A writer one time said that, um, that maybe we don't actually try things, not because we're scared to fail, but what if we're brilliant? because then I'm going to have to be a steward of what's going to come from the brilliance. So then we play small and we hide our gifts. Self-deception is a temptation because sometimes it creates a false sense of self-preservation. But here's the thing, without some level of self-reflection and self-awareness, it is really difficult to change. I like using the word transformation. I like using the word change. I like using the word new creation. I like using the word letting go of old stories. I like saying all of those things, but I really do love to experience those things. But change and transformation and letting go of old stories and holding on to new stories and being a new creation only comes when there is some means of self-reflection, some, some level of self-awareness in our lives. Socrates once said that an unexamined life is not worth living. Father Michael Sparrow says this though, an unexamined life cannot lead to growth. If we never pause and stop and take stock of our lives, if we never look back at the patterns that hold us 
hostage or keep us from being our most patient selves or most gracious selves or, or most at home selves, if we never sometimes take stock of that with some reflection and some awareness, our growth will be stunted. Now, I realize, um, you know, we say in, in the Christian tradition a lot of times, like, don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. See, I'm doing a new thing. Like, don't look back. Don't rehearse old history. And, uh, and I, yes, okay, I, what, what we don't want to do is get in a pattern where we're so bound by the past that we get stuck in the past. But there is something to say about sometimes looking to the past to recognize how God might show up for us in the present, that we might lead new lives in the future. If, if the past is a, a means of like collecting something that might help you to like live more beautifully, oh, that, that's not a bad thing. So we have to then turn down the volume on the voice of the accuser, the evil one, Satan, however you want to name that which is not the goodness of God that will sometimes say, but if you look back or if you reflect or if you stop being so busy and actually just, you know, get still and sit with the thing, we have to turn down the volume on the voice of the accuser that will say, but no, 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 but if you do it, you're going to get stuck there. Or, or as soon as you reflect and you start to bring up all these things in your life, that maybe that's just who you are. Got to turn down the volume on that voice that would make us fearful of saying, okay, what do I need to do that I might self-reflect and become more self-aware if it is the means by which I am changed and also transformed? Because sometimes when we look back, we also get to rehearse where God has shown up for us and what God has done in us. I am not my 16-year-old self, thanks be to God. Sometimes when we look back, we recognize all of the moments that we were being issued invitations into new life. Sometimes when we look back and we take stock, we begin to recognize the people who came alongside us to co-labor with us in our growth. Sometimes when we look back, we recognize the folks who were cheering us on, the folks who challenged us, the folks who spoke about who we might look like if we were living or bumping into our best selves. We also began to realize some of the folks we had to let go. Reflection is an on-ramp to growth. Reflection is an on-ramp to being more at home in ourselves so that we can be at home in the world. I would also say that self-reflection and self-examination helps us to be just in ourselves so that we can also be just in the world. It's an on-ramp to transformative justice. If I do not interrogate, you know, the things within me, then I will never know the power that is wielded beyond me. Self-reflection, self-awareness, self-examination, the examine, they help us to be yoked to growth. So I want to remind us of this uh, this example of examination in scripture. Here we have the story of the prodigal son. 
This son, who before his father has passed away, basically says, Father, you're taking too long to die. I want my part of the inheritance. I mean, that's basically kind of the, the tone of this particular passage of scripture. And this father is gracious enough and gives the younger son the part of the property of the inheritance that he was going to receive once he passed away. And it says that this son goes off to a distant country, meaning like far off from being at home. There, there's something also metaphorical about going far, far away. And it says that he uses all of this money for dissolute living. He makes it rain in all the wrong places. The unfortunate thing when he spends all of this money is then there's a famine in the land. So he has put himself in a fragile uh, uh, place and now he's also uh, living within an insecure state because um, everyone has great need. And it says that, you know, he hires himself out to a citizen. Now, notice like the relational difference. This father who loves him and who gives him something now, he goes to this citizen, this unnamed person who's going to make him work in the fields with the pigs. That's also something to be said. These unclean animals, he's got to go work with them in the fields. And it says that as he is feeding the pigs in the fields, he is noticing the pods <laughs> that they are eating and wishing You are in a desperate place when you see stuff coming out of a pig's mouth and you're thinking, oh, you're hungry. And maybe this prodigal son is thinking to himself, how did I get here? Maybe this prodigal son is like, this isn't me. Maybe this prodigal son is reflecting on all the times that his father was so generous of spirit and he could not see the generosity of spirit. While he is in this very desperate place it says that the son has a moment where he comes to himself. But then he comes to himself. It's a moment of recognition. It's a moment of acknowledgement. It's a moment of awareness. It's a moment of self-knowing, like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here I am in this far distant country, wishing that I could eat the food that the pigs are eating. And here's the thing, with my father even, his hired servants would never have to live like this. Would never have to live like this. Now the beautiful part of the story is that the son picks himself up after he has this moment of recognition, of acknowledgement, of self-reflection, and he goes on basically going to beg his father to receive him back with the father, sees him from a far distance and hugs him and with compassion. I mean, it is a beautiful story. He gets more than he deserves. He gets more than he deserves. But friends, I want us to hold on to that moment when he has, huh, he comes to himself. And it's at that moment of reflection, that moment of awareness, that moment of examination, 
that the son makes a shift in his life. These moments of recognition and awareness are not fleeting. They sometimes can be the difference between life and death. I don't necessarily mean that physically. I mean that in regards to like life that is really life and life when we're on autopilot. And I need to remind you that this world that we live in is set up to sometimes keep us distant from ourselves and this, this level of awareness. It keeps us too distracted. Or sometimes our pride keeps us too resistant to stop and to reflect on, wait a minute, is this me? Is this me? and then to make some shifts in our lives. So we have to have practices in our lives that keep us aware and help us to flex the, the, the muscles of awareness, that we can also then flex the muscles of examination, and that we can also keep ourselves open and available to the presence of God stirring us and speaking to us that we come home to our best selves. And so this is when you're going to preach with me. Because a great way to look for God's presence or to be aware of God's presence in our lives and also to be aware of the things that might keep us stuck or that might move us forward is this 400-year practice that has come out of um, St. Ignatius of Loyola. It's kind of called the Ignatian Examine, E-X-A-M-E-N. It is a prayer-filled mindfulness practice that keeps us aware of God, that keeps us aware of the things in our lives that maybe we need to move away from or also maybe add so that we and our self-examination and our self-awareness can move in ways that we look more like Christ. It's a technique of prayerful reflection on the events of our day in order for us to make some shifts or for us to celebrate or for us to let go or for us to hold on. It's a way of taking stock daily so that we might have those moments where we come to ourselves, where we slow down just a bit to come home to ourselves. Now, some would recommend that you would spend about 15 minutes doing the exam on any given day. For some, 15 minutes might feel way too long. For others, it may not feel like it's a long enough time. I would just simply say, I'm going to invite you, if you practice the exam after this Sunday, that you would at least start with 10 to 15 minutes. So here's how the exam is framed. Generally, there are five parts to a daily exam. The first part is becoming aware of God's presence. So, you know, you probably want to be uh, in a quiet place or space, in a, in a place where there's not lots of distractions. But during this part of the exam, you might invite God's presence among you. You might literally say, you know, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. 
You might become aware of your breathing. You might ask God to help you to see beyond what you can actually see, that you might hear God's voice. God, help me to see you. God, help me to sense you. Literally, that you begin to speak or, or settle yourselves, or you're like, I just want to become aware of God's presence. You might think through the day, God, you are a God who has not failed me. God, you are a God who has shown up for me. God, you are a God who has given me good things. But you become aware of God's presence. The second part of the exam is to review the day with gratitude. Or as we sometimes like to say here at the Southeast Raleigh table, to rehearse God's goodness and then give thanks. This is our, our foundation for our relationship with God is gratitude. So think about all of the ways in which you have been kept. That you had three meals, that you had a great day at work, that you enjoyed a great biscuit. I mean, just rehearse, like remember, like the things that are the simple pleasures, the things that fill your heart with a level of gratitude. Next with the exam is then to pay attention to the emotions or the feelings that rise up within you as you review the day. Were there moments when you were incredibly angry? Who made you angry? Did you feel a tinge of resentment when you were in conversation? Has this just been a day where you have felt blah, or maybe you have felt alive and aware? Maybe you have felt energized. It could be positive or it could be a, a negative feeling that rises up within you. Just don't let it pass you by, but be willing to face whatever that feeling or emotion is that comes up for you as you review your day. The fourth part of the examine is to choose an aspect of the day or maybe a place that you consider to be a shortcoming or a place you consider to be a success. And when you land on that, that thing, that, that moment of the day, pray about it. So maybe it's a moment of success that you might be like, Lord, in that moment I felt like I was using my voice in right action. Frame it as a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe it's you have someone in, in your life who you cannot stop thinking about them and they are ill. Maybe it's going to be a prayer of intercession, like, God, I pray that you would be, you'd be present to this person. I cannot stop getting this person's you know, um, situation off of my heart. Be mindful of whatever that thing is, that aspect of the day, whether it's something you want to celebrate or something you need to let go of or something that you name as a shortcoming. And as you pray about that thing, that is your way of also like uh, uh, wholly releasing it so that you don't get stuck, especially if it's a negative feeling or a negative part of the day. This is not your moment to self-flog. It's your moment to be, become aware and then to turn it like, God, I want you to hold, I want you to hold this. This is where I've, 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 I've had a moment of acknowledgement or awareness. I've come to myself in this moment. And God, I want to offer it to you. And the last part of the examine 
is to look toward the next day with hope. Today, I feel like I was not at peace at all in my life, but tomorrow, God, you are shalom. Today, I may not have celebrated my wins the way that I needed to celebrate my wins, but tomorrow, I'm going to be my greatest cheerleader. Like, look, look towards the future with a sense of hope. Speak how you want God to show up for you and how you also, too, want to show up for yourself and for others. Some would say that it's at this part of the exam that you would talk to God like a friend. Like, this is, what I, this is what I want, this is what I'm hoping, that you would talk to God as a friend. Friends, an unexamined life cannot lead to growth. And here we have been given this beautiful season in the life of the church. That by prayer and confession, repentance and self-examination, we might be made more in the likeness of Jesus. May it be so that as we stop to pause and to reflect, that we might have moments that we come to ourselves and make shifts that lead to life. Will you pray with me? In the quiet of this moment, O oh God, would you speak to us? Would you reveal and unearth the places in our lives where you are calling us to be self-aware and also where you are calling us to be aware of your presence. In the quiet of this moment, oh God, Would you help us to be unafraid of the stillness and the silence? But that we might be at home in these moments of examination and awareness.
God, settle our hearts and settle our souls. Settle our calendars and quiet the voices that we might be aware of you and aware of you working within us that we might be the people you have called us to be. We pray this in a spirit of examination and in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior.